what a pleasure to have your company. So, as I said, I hope you had a nice, relaxing Easter. There's something about holidays which stress, stresses everybody out, <laughs> uh, uh, particularly at the end uh, when you're all trying to get back. But uh, I hope you had a good time. And w- how better to celebrate return to normal life than a bit of love and science, uh, an hour of uh, science chat. Wow, what a programme we've got for you today. Um, we've got a packed studio, uh, quite literally. Uh, we, uh, we, j- we haven't quite run out of chairs, but, uh, <laughs> uh, but almost. So the, the, the normal team is here. We've got uh, Andrew Glester, of course. Hi, Andrew. Hello, Malcolm. Hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, and uh, Hannah Bestwick. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and uh, we're joined by an old friend. Oh, n- not an emphasis on the old here, but, uh, you know, <laughs> you get what I mean, an old friend <laughs> of the back. show. <laughs> um, Maddie, you, you appeared as a kind of ghost uh, a couple of weeks ago because we tried to phone you, or you tried to phone us. Oh, yes. And we almost yeah. got you through. And, That's the wonders uh, of technology Yeah, we got there. you so close. We could see little red lights flashing <laughs> to say that you were there, but we couldn't hear you. So that was, that was a real shame. So thanks so much for coming in. You're going to be talking about the um, uh, Paralympics in Seoul. Yes, yeah. So uh, that will be that will be fun to chat to you uh, uh, about that. We'll come come to that in a minute. And to my right, sitting or sitting next to me, uh, is uh, another old friend of the show, which is Jamie Thakra. Uh, welcome. Uh, Hi, Malcolm. Hi, yeah. everyone. It's a yeah. full house here today. It so. is, isn't it? We're gonna we're gonna be uh, talking with you about pint of science, and you've brought three friends. I'm just gonna get you to say hello, guys, from the back of the room. Hello. Yeah. Can you hear that? Uh, <laughs> that's uh, we we we'll, we'll introduce them uh, as they as they come. But uh, it's Alfie, Catherine, and Romaine who are also involved with uh, pint of science this year. I hear they went absolutely mad and put you in charge, or at least half in charge, Jamie. I know it's unbelievable. They trusted me to I know what take over. No one's, t- <laughs> no one's talked to them, obviously. Well, I split the job with somebody else, Alex, who oh, couldn't right. be here today, um, yeah. and she's been amazing. So we've kind of done a split president's role this year. Okay. So that's Pint of Science coming up very shortly. Obviously, we've got some news stories. We hope we're going to have uh, room for uh, our normal news stories. I'm sure we will. And I just want to kick off uh, by talking to uh, Maddie a-, a-, a little bit at the start of the show about... Uh, your trip to South Korea. So you got to spend, what was it, a couple of weeks in Seoul? Yeah, so sorry, I'll just say hi because I got a bit distracted earlier <laughs> the talk of me being a ghost. Um, so, so, hi, everyone. <laughs> um, thanks for having me. Yeah, so um, when it was the Winter Paralympic Games, I guess like three, four weeks ago now, um, I lose track of time, um, I was over there helping out in the repairs workshop. So obviously we've got all these athletes going over there and they've all got prosthesis, a lot of them, because it's the Paralympics as yeah. opposed to the Olympics. Olympic Games, yeah. and with it being a Winter Games, they've also got a lot of equipment too. So if they have any accidents and need repairs, obviously they're going to want to still compete. So yeah. this workshop is there to let them carry on doing that. So we should say, just to set this a little bit in context, so you're you're at Bristol University. You're you're doing a PhD at the moment. You're interested in what we call nanomaterials. I'm not quite <laughs> nano nano. What is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think that's a bit of a funding buzzword a few years yes. ago. <laughs> yes. I think it's kind of dropped off a little bit now. Yeah. But so nano is kind of things that are a thousand times smaller than the width of your like a piece of hair. Yeah. Um, so it's very tiny stuff. Um, but nanomaterials are kind of materials that have some kind of nano aspect in them. Yeah. So one of those materials that a lot of people might be familiar with is graphene. Um, yes. Which is kind of one of the... Yes, kind of new <laughs> new material made a, a form of carbon. Yeah, so, yeah, and it's like the study of, I guess, the very small properties and using yeah. very small yeah. things within yeah. these materials. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so how was that led 
to you being in Seoul? I mean, it, it seems... Yeah, so... I, I, I can see the connection. Would you spell, spell <laughs> that out for us? Yeah, so with there being nanomaterials, obviously there's a variety of different materials that are used in prosthetics and different um, sports equipment. And so the kind of nano aspect is trying to engineer the properties of materials so that they're stronger, faster, harder, yeah. which is obviously quite key in yeah. sports. Yeah, and so so you're over there for uh, for, for two weeks, and um, what? Uh, j- just before we we'll, we'll get into the de- some of the detail of, mm-hmm. of, of, of some of these materials and things that you you work with later on, and the impact it had on on, on has on people's lives. Um, but what was the experience like for you? That must have been amazing being at. Uh, oh yeah, such a I mean it was incredible to be like in the Paralympic Village because it's it's such a community and all of the kind of repairs technicians they're such a passionate group of people like they're so dedicated to what they're doing and there was just a really warm community kind of feel and also got to see some of the different um, Paralympic um, sports which aren't quite as widely watched as the other sports that we're more familiar with so I went and saw some sledge hockey and it was just like so incredible that these people are kind of moving around the ice and like I have to admit I have no idea what sledge hockey is I'm really glad you asked. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry, I'm in my little bubble where I think everyone knows still. Um, So sledge hockey is the Paralympic um, equivalent of ice hockey. So they're all in, like, sledges, so they'll be moving around, strapped in um, around the waist (laughs) so they don't fall out, just kind of, yeah, moving around the ice. Largely the same as ice hockey in terms of how they score. Um, But, yeah, there's slightly fewer people. And it's actually a little bit slower paced, which means you can actually follow what's going on a lot better <laughs> it's actually a lot more enjoyable i thought than ice hockey what, what was the atmosphere like it was great like everyone who was there was like super enthusiastic and i was kind of a little bit worried that it might feel a little uncomfortable to watch yes. <laughs> these people competing yes. um especially if they had some nasty accidents or like fell over yeah. but it's actually just phenomenal and just incredibly inspirational yeah. and like everyone is incredibly humble about what they're doing and very kind of personable like obviously i managed to speak to a few different athletes that came in and went through the workshop with their gear and they're just so chatty and talkative and i think that that probably doesn't happen quite so much with olympic athletes like it's a little bit more no no we're kind of (laughs) need to keep in our zone yeah, but yeah, well, it's incredibly I, friendly. I, you're not the first person I've heard to, to say this. It, it sounds like an absolutely phenomenal event. So great. Well, we're going to learn a little bit more uh, about what happened a, a bit later. I'm going to turn to a pint of science now, and uh, just ask uh, Jamie about uh, about that. Just remind us what pint of science is. So pint of science is an international festival of science. Uh, we run in over 175 cities across the world. In Bristol, we've, this is our sixth year running now, and this year we'll be running from the 14th to the 16th of May in pubs all around the city, where scientists from the university will come in and tell locals about their research. Okay, and uh, what? What's the highlights of this year? So, um, we actually... So, Romaine was telling me earlier, um, we actually have a Paralympic athlete coming in to give one of the talks. Yeah, um, it's And Alfie, who's yeah, in yeah. the studio today, is actually giving a talk for the Beautiful Mind theme. And then Catherine's team have been running a Creative Reactions um, Art and Science exhibition, which will be in Hamilton House th- for two weeks dur- throughout the duration of the festival. 
All right. And, um, uh, you know, have you scribbled down things that you, you think people really should try to get to? If, 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 they, ha if they are forced to pick one event... What's, what's your... Oh, I can't be biased. I think ah, they're all great. You're such a debut. <laughs> Do you know, I knew you were going to say that, <laughs> but I just felt obliged to ask you. It's a journalist question. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, I'll tell you what we, we, we're going to do uh, now. I'm going to play a little bit of music. Um, uh, we'll do a little bit of science news, and then we're going to uh, find out some more about what's going on with Pint of Science and uh, back to the Paralympics as well. So lo lots to pack in. Um, so you're listening to Love and Science, as I hope you know by now, and uh, Andrew and Hannah are here as usual. And uh, we've, we've got a, a, a number of science stories we want to try and look at. I don't know how many we're going to get through this week, but one of them which excites Andrew unspeakably is even <laughs> looking at pictures of it now is lightning in space. I mean, this is all very Star Trek y, isn't it? Yeah. Oh, let's talk about Star Trek. Uh, That's yes. good. Let's yeah. do that. Um, no, let's not do that. Um, so, where, so where, is, where is this lightning? Well, it's, uh, I say in space is probably. Um, a slight exaggeration. It's in the uh, ionosphere and the mesosphere, which is just above the stratosphere. It's almost ah. space. Almost, almost space, space. Nearly space. But you can really only see it very well from space. So basically what we're talking about, there's, uh, whenever there's a thunderstorm, that's not true, when there's a thunderstorm in certain conditions, above it, lightning goes in the other direction. Not lightning necessary, but electricity goes in the other direction. And it, until 1989, it was a completely unknown phenomenon. And then somebody was filming a rocket launch, as you should do. If ever there's a rocket launch, film it. And uh, also watch it. But uh, he was filming a rocket launch, and in the distance he saw a, uh, a, a thunderstorm, and above the thunderstorm he saw some blue lights flashing up in the sky above it. And it was a new phenomenon. Those are uh, excitingly called blue jets, and uh, they're slightly different to electricity, uh, sorry, slightly different to um, lightning in the way that they, they work, but they are effectively the electricity coming off the storm when uh, the, the atmosphere above the storm is thinned then the electricity can go upwards. And I'll just hit something as I did upwards there. Yes, that's and, a good illustration. Um, but the blue jets, I think, are the least exciting bits because there's two other types. One's called elves and the other's called sprites. I'm really hoping that there's leprechaun and, like, kelpie in the future. Well, quite possibly, because, yeah, as you said, well, yeah, because we, we didn't know about these until 1989. I didn't know about them until this week. And the reason I know about them now is because there's a, uh, a, a mission, just, well, not a mission. What is it? I suppose it's a mission. It's an experiment gone up to the International Space Station to study them. So, so when you say an experiment has gone up to the ISS, as we like to call yeah. it here, because we like jargon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Um, uh, what is it? I mean, they sent a little, another little spaceship up there, or what? Uh, I believe so, yeah. It's yeah. called uh, the Atmospheric Space Interactions Monitor, ah. ASIM. Okay. But I, I want to talk about sprites and elves, not asims. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I think so. Um, anyway, yes, it's it's uh, it, it's going to monitor them from above. They, they reckon they're going to see uh, one a day, one yeah. of these things a day. So they're, they're very common, but we just haven't we don't see them very well from Earth. Uh, the the elves, um, if I had to describe the elves, they look like a bit like the aurora. So the northern lights, the southern lights, they look a bit like that, a circle in the sky. But we can't see those with the naked eye. You can only pick those up with cameras. 
and they're very, they last for milliseconds. And then there's the blue, uh, the, the blue jets, uh, they look like blue jets, and the sprites look like red jets. Uh, they look like red columns of light. There's actually, if you go to the BBC website and find this story, there's a video from the International Space Station which actually shows the blue jets coming up from um, from, from the, above a thunderstorm. And if you do nothing else with the rest of your day, watch that video. It yeah. is wonderful. So gorgeous. Um, and it, it looks a bit like an alien spacecraft is, is, has got inside the thunderstorm and is nipping off into space. That's what I think <laughs> when it is, and I think that's what we'll find when we go on the internet. I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, I'm joking. It's not Just that. hopeful. I'm, I'm hoping that they're going to take me with them when well, they yes, go. I, I like this story very much. They refer to them as tran transient luminous events. I like these terms. Mm -hmm. And uh, as you say, first spotted in uh, 1989. Um, I didn't know this. I, I know this. I doubt whether this is relevant to this, but I, I, I was reading the other day that lightning goes upwards as well as downwards, terrestrial lightning. So in a lightning storm, it's just as likely to start from the ground and go oh, up I see to what the you cloud mean yeah. than it is to start in the cloud and come down to the earth. Start from the ground? Yes. Because because there's a diff because of the differential in electric potential, uh, so you have an accumulation difference. of electrons, uh, presumably in the ground that can fly up uh, into the cloud. I do, do you know, I'm going to admit something though. My daughter keeps asking me questions. One of the questions she asks me is 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 how does electricity work? Oh. And I, to be honest, I have no idea. <laughs> it's just magic, isn't it? She's like, but how does it get through the walls? I'm like, I don't know. It's like cables. Yeah, but how's it in the? I don't know how it's in the cables. Yeah. I honestly don't know. So we're going to look into it, find out. Yeah. You teach us next week. Yeah, yeah very good. Yeah, cool. find out and tell us yeah. ne ne next week. Okay. So um, we were talking earlier about uh, a pint of science. Jamie Thacker is still here, but she's gone to the back of the studio and brought one of her uh, <laughs> colleagues uh, uh, to uh, to sit next to me now. Uh, Catherine Gilmore. Welcome, Catherine. Hello. Thanks for having me. You're very, very welcome. And uh, I, I know that you, you're a specialist in uh, reproductive biology and so on at, um, mm -hmm. at the University. Uh, um, I Bristol love the placenta. Yes. And okay, <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm delighted to hear that. Um, uh, uh, with with the pint of uh, science project, your, uh, the, the the bit that you're involved with mm. has to do not just with scientists but with artists yeah. and pairing them up. Exactly. So tell us how that works. What's, yeah. the, what's so behind we, that? We're called um, we're a branch of pint of science, I suppose. We're called Creative Reactions, and we're organising a two week long art exhibition that's taking place during the festival, and we've paired up forty local local artists with local scientists. And these pairs, they meet up, they discuss, um, the artists will learn all about the scientists' research and then make a creative reaction, create an artwork in response to that research. And so we're going to have an exhibition of 40 different artworks, sculptures, paintings, weavings, stained glass, all sorts of things. 40? Um, that's, a, that's a tall order. It is. Yeah, <laughs> it's, yeah. it's quite a lot and, of work. And, and so you, have you got several venues for this? Is it all happening in one venue? It's all happening in one venue in Hamilton House in the Coexist Gallery there um, from the 10th of May until the 22nd. Um, so we're mm. really keen 
this is for everybody it's not just for scientists it's for and it's completely free um so everybody come along if you're interested in art or you're interested in science or yeah. neither come and see yeah. something new and learn something new now something <laughs> that i find curious about this I, I love this idea of scientists and artists working together because science and art are both part of culture so that's great but do you choose the scientists or sorry the artists do you invite the artists because they have a particular interest in science no 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 i mean so a lot of the artists who have gotten involved in the project do have an interest in science but some have done nothing to do with science before so a large part of this process is also that the artists the experience that they get and and the scientists as well equally that that experience of working with somebody and collaborating with somebody who you might think you have nothing in common with and then to learn um, learn about their field. Um, so. so I'm trying to get my head uh, around this. I, I think I've followed it so far, but the, the query I've got is, are, uh, are any of these works already created? Have you already commissioned them? Or is this going to sort of happen spontaneously? They are currently being created. They will all be created by the 10th of May, oh, fingers right, okay. crossed. Yeah. Yeah. So we're not going um, to go and watch the artists? No, right, no. Okay. So all, they will all, be, all the artworks will be created beforehand and will be on display at the exhibition. Yeah, oh. so it, they're all coming together as we speak. Fantastic. Well, we wish we wish you uh, the the very best for that. And just um, uh, remind us of where we can find out about this stuff on the. Uh, I don't know if you've got the website to hand or whether Jamie can shout it to us. Okay, pintofscience.co.uk has all the details. All right, there. that's the that's the thing to remember. We have a packed studio, as you may have heard if you've been listening through to the program. Uh, people from Pint of Science. We're going to hear a little bit more about uh, in a minute. Our friend uh, uh, Maddie. Nichols and uh, of course uh, Andrew Glester and Hannah Bestwick uh, are with me as usual. But Maddie, back to you. Uh, do, are you a bit of a sporty person yourself? Yes, I'm one yeah. of those crazy people that does marathons and further running distances. Really? So, yeah, this kind of really did appeal to me on many levels. Obviously, like running prosthesis yeah. are fascinating. Yes. <laughs> like yes. being able to run super quick on like two things that aren't legs well they yeah. are legs but not yeah. <laughs> natural legs because there's, there's always been a bit of a debate hasn't there about um you know we, we I, th- I think if in, in our ignorance a lot of, i'm not including you in this but a lot a, a, oh, lo- a lot of us would think that people with this uh, with, with, with a disability of course it's well it, it just helps them you know to kind of get by and whatever these people are actually phenomenal aren't they they, oh, d- they goodness, do yeah. phenomenal things and sometimes um the enhanced allow them to do things that uh, a, a regular athlete or for want of a better term or a, that's, that's not a very good term is it uh, yeah i mean i'm not yeah non- this is the thing yeah i was like i'm not really sure what i can say yeah, yeah. <laughs> can i make jokes like i was saying yes. to andrew before i left like i'm really worried that i might hand something back and be like okay yeah break yes. a leg in your race and yes, like, oh, yes no can't yes. say that <laughs> I, I, I think you have to take your cue from people with disabilities yeah yeah say, well, yeah, know, so they, they set the pace and they have a tremendous mm. sense of humor about oh, they do, so, and like um, yeah. I think the the head of the kind of repairs workshop set up over there, yeah. he kind of got knocked the nail on the head when he was like, "Yeah, so people don't really care about prosthesis until yeah. they come to like this event yeah. where it's essentially normal to yeah. have a prosthesis." Yeah. 
And it, he's right. Like it was kind of strange being in an environment where I was looking and it was like, oh, there's someone with like a you know prosthetic arm, prosthetic yeah. legs, yeah. like yeah. several wheelchairs, yeah. and you're like, oh, I'm kind of in the minority here, yes. <laughs> not having one of those yes. things, yes. which was quite strange but awesome. And and uh, talking about uh, prosthetics, so we, we 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 have to think about what kinds of materials. You know, I mean, mm. in, in the olden times, you know, in the, in the, you know, characteristically people, people did have things like wooden legs, didn't yeah, they? Yeah, so well, this is why and, this and company set up, well, set up, basically. So after World War II, veterans were really struggling with their wooden prosthesis. Yeah. So um, actually the company namesake who we were visiting, Otto Bock, um, he was like, right, well, we need to do this differently so that these people can essentially go back to having an everyday life. Because, yeah. you know, kind of like we only really see them in the guise of like sports. <laughs> yeah. But, you know, just moving around and doing day-to-day stuff is so important um, yes. just in terms of your well, mental health and just feeling like you yes. are human, really. Yes. Um, but yeah, so the materials that are used, obviously they're a little bit different when they're done in the actual workshops based around different cities around the world. So obviously we're in the repairs workshop, so everything needs to be quick. Um, so one of the things that I saw was um, they use, it's called cellacast, which is kind of just like what you have when you break a bone um, yeah. and you go and get a plaster cast. They use that to yeah. make things that are hard and solid very quickly. Yes. And if they've got a bit more time, they'll use carbon fiber. So this kind of comes like in a roll. <laughs> yes. It's all like interwoven and interlocked and they just build up several layers of it at different angles yes. um, so that it's all very like durable and hard. Yes. And they actually make it go hard by putting a resin on top. So it only takes like a couple of hours to go from being like, okay, right, we need to make this thing. Let's wrap it in this carbon fiber kind of tape. And then we'll add this resin and leave it for a couple of hours and it'll be completely hard and like ready to go and be used. And it's the rapid kind of setting and making stuff hard that is so important in this environment. You were telling me something uh, earlier when when we were talking about our interview a couple of (laughs) weeks ago about about, um, wheelchairs and how people have to have special materials to cushion them. Yeah, so if you think about sitting down the whole day yeah. <laughs> I mean it's bad enough if you're on like a long haul flight for instance yeah, yeah. <laughs> or sat at your desk all day um, you're going to start to get like sores and yeah. uncomfortable and obviously because a lot of people in wheelchairs obviously can't feel some very strange noises coming <laughs> yeah. through our microphones they just ignore <laughs> I don't know where they're coming from <laughs> so it's yeah. like you can't really elves. feel yeah. your legs perhaps so yeah. you're not going to know that you're getting blisters or discomfort right. on yes. kind of like your bum essentially yes. in the backs yeah. of your legs Yes. Um, so they have this stuff that's called a roho cushion R-O-H know if anyone's interested in googling that and okay. um, i was trying to think how to describe it but essentially it's like it's pumped up and full of air and it looks a little bit like the head of a broccoli and that there's <laughs> lots of kind of little bubbles going on on it yeah. and um, when you sit on it it kind of evenly distributes your weight and as you like move around in the chair obviously the air sort of moves around and it just cushions you and kind of stops you from getting those sores uh, and I they look really weird when they're fully inflated because they kind of curve back on themselves if they're not actually on the chair yeah, the Roho cushion is quite an interesting one to look at. <laughs> I, I guess this is one of those situations where uh, people are actually faced with problems where you're inventing technology, mm-hmm. which then has a wider application. Yeah, you exactly. Know, from, the one, from the one that it was actually uh, designed for. Wow. Can I, can I ask uh, quickly, the, the time, time constraint, you say it's important for them to be able to resin cast with the carbon fibre and it to set quickly. Is that because... Uh, they're competing they have to go out for the next exactly round yeah so you know they'll kind of have a race and then they might have another race the next day or in like the sledge hockey kind of situation obviously it's like a round robin and then they play so they've got loads of games and they're going to want to play 
so you have to kind of get the repair out as soon as possible for them to still compete yeah. and that's why it's got to be so quick so they have to kind of make the call so like well we could do it with the seller cast which mm. will be the fastest option but not quite as durable mm -hmm. or do we have time to do the carbon fiber version and even though they're making it really quick it still looks really like sleek and professional <laughs> and you're like wow <laughs> yeah <laughs> the craftsmanship and like that's yeah. amazing do skills they, do they have like do you have spare prosthesis or do people only have like one specially made like if, well, if let's yeah. say they only have one so leg? the way that it's made is it's all modular so kind of crudely it could be looked at a little bit like flat pack furniture mm -hmm. so you've got like the foot and then like a shin kind of pole and then like a knee joint but then you've got a mm. socket which is how it attaches onto someone's mm -hmm. stump and obviously that has to be custom made mm -hmm. so that's all done and fitted to each individual person but the other bits are all fairly standard um, so ahead of the games they shipped out I think it was two or three tonnes of spare parts so it was quite funny you'd be like rummaging in the storeroom <laughs> and you'd find like feet and like, <laughs> hands and stuff just in boxes like yeah. ready to just be swapped out super fast um, so yeah the real kind of having to make stuff specifically really needs to be quick because it has to fit otherwise it's not going to work mm. <laughs> but the other parts can be swapped out quite easily that's amazing that's really amazing Maddie, we could talk about this yeah, all sorry, day. You've got no, no, not at all. No, it's absolutely <laughs> fascinating. We really appreciate you coming in. So, I mean, you'll, you'll be with us to the end of the show. But uh, thanks so much for telling us Thank all you. about that. We'd, uh, we've got hours of conversation uh, potentially there about it. And um, uh, But we're going to uh, uh, go to another science story now. Hannah, I know you've been looking at this thing about soil. and Yeah, it's, it's a, a quick story um, about soil runoff. So, um, so Soil running off farmers' fields can block up waterways. It contributes to flooding and it can apparently cost up to uh, 1.2 billion pounds a year in maintenance of waterways. Wow. Um, one of the so this is bad farming. This essentially. is yeah. Or poor farming techniques. Poor technique. Um, it comes from things like, particularly in the West Country, it's quite. Um, prevalent because the, we grow a lot of maize uh, and you have to plant that really far apart and you don't have anything underneath so loads of the soil is uncovered so when it rains um, it all just washes off into the waterways yeah. um, but the Environment Agency has been trying to collect ideas about what to do about this and how to catch farmers because at the moment they can only check 0.5% of all farms every year to see if they're, they're doing any bad um, techniques such as just leaving leaving it open to wash into the rivers um, so the angling trust wwf rivers trust and with help with from the rspb they've been collecting ideas and one of them has been to use drones yeah. which is drones are spy in the sky such a, yeah <laughs> spy in the sky and such a such a new thing they're trying to use drones for everything at the moment and i think this could work um it would be drones guided by a contour map to identify areas um of like particularly steep slopes that run into waterways are particularly prone to losing soil into those waterways and that would prioritize specific farms to go and check their farming practices um to make sure that they're sticking to the um, the recommended techniques to reduce soil that goes into the waterways. Yeah, yeah. Just to help promote, um, keep them clean, and that helps wildlife in the local area if they've got clean waterways, things like that. Okay, so when you see drones over fields, you know... Yeah, don't, exactly. don't worry too much. Don't worry too unless you're the farmer. <laughs> <laughs> and you know you're doing you're something going, you shouldn't check be. The soil. No, no, <laughs> going into the river. Ah, well, that's uh, that is an interesting story. I mean, it's it's all it's all good news. Uh, just to, to encourage people to have better farming practices. It's it, one of, one of the huge problems of waterways, of course, is silting up. Mm. We have that massively in Bristol, don't we? It's a huge problem. Yeah, it causes 
so much damage yeah. um, by just causing causing flooding to be much worse. It blocks up um, flood. What's the what's the term like grey water systems, right. which is where yeah. all the extra flood water goes. Grey water is what you get when I wash my hair. <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> <laughs> you have to see my hair to understand yeah. that joke. Yes, yeah. Um, what, you know, one of the things I find absolutely—I've <laughs> thrown you there, yeah, haven't I? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. One, um, one of the things I find absolutely baffling about—I've said this before. I'd love if somebody knows the answer to this. Just, just tell us. W- wherever I go, I say to people, you know, one of the interesting things about Bristol is we have the hu- the second highest differential in tides, high tide and low mm. tide, in the world. Why isn't the city run on hydroelectric power? That is one of the strangest things. And it may be something to do with a massive problem of silting up. Maybe. But I w- space? Is I there would love, space to love to know uh, the answer. Well, it just seems the most obvious thing for, yeah. for Bristol, that we could power ourselves with hydroelectric power. But there you go. Uh, maybe it's a project for somebody to take on. Um, uh, we, we're just going to move back to Pint of Science uh, uh, for a bit because I told you we've got some Pint of Science people. Here they are sitting in the back of the studio drinking pints away. <laughs> Completely drunk they are now because we're already half um, three-quarters of the way through the show. And uh, no, that's all a lie. I've made it all up. And um, I'm joined uh, by uh, Romain Costil. Hello. Hello. Yeah, that's right. uh, it's great to have you with us. You, you, um, you're one of uh, Jamie's colleagues also, along with Catherine. You're a final PhD student in chemistry, and um, you're interested in developing tools for new medicines and so How do we make new medicines? Exactly. That's not the topic we're going to talk to you about. You've switched no. from chemistry. Oh, here we go. Uh, I have to say, no human being is making that noise in the mm-hmm. studio. If you mm-hmm. can hear that, uh, that's uh, somehow coming through the desk in some weird way. Um, uh, you're, uh, Romain, you're interested in, uh, you've, you've switched to so- so society. And exactly, yeah. Uh, so tell, tell us, what's the, what's the name of your uh, event that you're uh, looking after? Um, so, well, there's, there's a lot of these events. So right. um, we, we've got many of those. We've got some uh, about globalization, for example. Okay. Um, and, and how nowadays we've moving of people. Um, the warming, migration. Yeah, yeah, climate warming. Yeah. Uh, this sort of thing. How science can study uh, these sort of effects and maybe plan ahead. Or yeah. who to take accountable for global warming, for example, who should take care of refugees. Uh, that's also a question that scientists could uh, answer to. And, and these questions, um, we've got these scientists studying them, but we've got also politicians talking a lot about it. And, and maybe we can, the opinion of the, of the people is best forged while chatting with his people, uh, with his persons. Yes, absolutely. So kind of having big discussions where people can ask questions. Exactly, and, and where's the best place to have these sort of chats yeah. in a pub? So, so give, us a, g- give us an example of one of the events. What, what will it look like? What will we see when we go? So we've got... Um, it's usually two or three speakers that are coming. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, roughly three hours. Um, yeah. So you come half an hour before, you get a pint, you get some food if you're yeah. hungry. Um, we get uh, a first talk, which is roughly half an hour, I think, Jamie. Yeah. Uh, and we've got questions which can last forever because people <laughs> usually have a lot of questions to ask. Um, we can do ga- 